Hey, what's up? Thanks for stopping by to hang out for a few moments as we dig into the Word of God. And we're going to jump into lesson four in the series I'm calling Lessons from Lepers. But before I do that, I just want to share this real quickly. Yeah, as you're listening, as you're watching, um, processing um, what's being said, if you have thoughts, insight, or maybe some things that God is just speaking to you about, um, I'd love for you to just take a moment and share that. Um, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. And so you sharing what God is speaking to you about or revealing to you and me sharing what he's speaking to me about, that does nothing but help us to grow um, more um, in our knowledge of him and in our relationship with him. So um, please leave a comment in the, um, the comments below. If you've got something you'd like to share, I'll also leave my email address in the description of this video and um, we'd just love to hear from you. So we're going to be reading Luke 17 verse 11 through 19. So let's get started. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go, your faith has healed you. So for the next few minutes, we're going to focus on verse 15 and 16. Let me read those two verses again. They say, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his feet, at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So ten encounter Jesus, ten are sent away. Jesus gives them the instruction, according to Levitical law, um, gives them the instruction to go to the priest. They hadn't been healed yet, but all ten leave and they're on their way to see the priest, just as Jesus instructed. And while they're on this journey, something begins to happen. They begin to realize that, they, that physically their body is changing and they recognize that they had been healed. Out of the ten, nine make the decision to continue on their journey toward the priest to go through the Levitical law because the priest would have to examine them and determine that they had been cleansed from leprosy before they would be released back to their villages, their towns, their homes, their families. So nine continue on the journey and one stops in his tracks and he turns and he returns to the place where he encountered Jesus. And the Bible says that not only did he turn back, but he came back with a loud voice, praising God, glorifying, honoring God. And when he gets to Jesus, he falls down at the feet of Jesus and begins to thank Jesus for what he had done. And before we go too much further with that, 
I think we need to have a just a good, clear picture, a good grasp <clears throat> on this entire situation, this, the situation for this man. I mean, what, what led him to go back? What caused him to go back? And as I thought about that, I just, I thought about and began to picture in my mind the moment he began to realize that something physically was changing in his body. The Bible doesn't give us that whole backdrop, but it's not, it's not difficult or, or too far-fetched for us to, to put the pieces together based off of what we know about Levitical law and what the Bible teaches us about lepers and um, their conditions and what Levitical law says they have to do. So we can kind of put a story together around this man and imagine that one day, maybe he's at home, maybe he's at work, maybe he's at dinner with his family. Who knows exactly what the, situ the, the setting was. But at some point, he looks and he realizes that something physically is changing on his skin, in his body. And he knows that he has no option. According to Levitical law, he has to go to a priest. And the priest that puts him through this rit ritualistic process and examines his body and gives him the tragic, horrific news and tells him, you have leprosy. You are now a leper. And in a moment, in that instance, everything changes for this man. He has to leave his home. He has to leave his family, his friends, his town. And he has to live outside of the town, outside of the village, in isolation among other lepers, forming this leprous community. He's not able to engage and interact the way he used to with his family and friends. His routine doesn't exist anymore. His new reality is he's a leper and he has to remain secluded, isolated. And no doubt this man <clears throat> would have questioned contemplated what sin have I committed what have I done wrong because it was common belief during that time that to go through some horrific thing like he was going through to experience some tragedy that it was a direct result of sin committed by someone and it was the wrath of God the judgment of God being poured out so he there may have been night after night after night where he laid down and stared into the, the and stared into the heavens and said, "God, what did I do wrong? What did I do to deserve this?" They, he, they had no concept of grace the way we know grace, the way we understand grace. He's he had never encountered grace like we understand it. And then we get to this point where he's with the other nine and Jesus comes and Jesus sends them on their way and while on the journey, they're healed. Why did he turn back? Well, I believe that when you think about the entire story, the entire picture in this surrounding this man's life, something clicked in him that didn't click in the other nine. When he looked down and saw 
the healing taking place. I believe that he realized that he had a revelation in that moment that what was happening was greater, much greater than just a physical healing. He had no control over his leprous condition. He had no control over his healing. But there was this man named Jesus who came by, who passed by his way, and how the goodness of his heart, and the love of Christ, his mercy, his grace, his compassion on these ten. He spoke the word and they were healed. And this man could do nothing to change his condition. He could do nothing to earn this grace, this mercy, this compassion of Jesus, and yet Jesus freely gave it. And I believe in that moment when he looked down and saw that he was cleansed, that he realized this was much greater than a physical healing. Everything, <clears throat> excuse me, everything was changing again for this man. He, he now was restored to health. He was going to be able to go back to his home, go back to his family, go back to his town. The routine that he had been accustomed to for so many years was, was restored. His life was restored. It wasn't just that he was no longer a leper, but his life had been restored. And it would not have happened if Jesus had not passed by his way. There was not one thing he could do to undo his circumstance. And so as he's realizing this and recognizing that his life has been restored, that everything has been changed and made new again, there's an impulse inside of him. There's something deep within his soul that causes him to stop in his tracks and turn and go back. He has nothing to offer Jesus but his gratitude his worship and his thanks. And if that's the least he can do, then in his mind and what we know from the word of God and what we just read, if that's the least he can do, then he's gonna do it with everything he has. And so we read, he went back with a loud voice and he falls at the feet of Jesus and he thanks him over and over and over. And I thought about that, and my mind went to Luke 7, where Jesus is at the home of a Pharisee, and there's a crowd there. And they're engaging in conversation, and the Bible says that there is a woman there. The Bible refers to her as an immoral woman. And in the middle of this this party or whatever you want to call it that's taking place. The Bible says that she breaks out this perfume. She falls at the feet of Jesus. Tears begin to run down her face and fall onto the feet of Jesus. She takes her hair. She dries the tears with her hair from the feet of Jesus and she anoints his feet with this perfume. She pours this perfume on his feet. Why would she do this? Why would this woman in sin, this immoral woman, do this? 
I believe that as she was listening to Jesus, listening to the words he spoke, reflecting on everything she had already heard about him, she recognized that her only hope, the only hope she had for her condition was him. There was no other, there was no other hope. Nothing could get her out of her condition than him. And by recognizing the goodness and the greatness and the power of Christ, something within her, this impulse inside of her, led her to a place of worship and honor. He was her only hope. He was her salvation. And by grasping that with everything inside of her, something drove her to a place of worship and honor and gratitude. Just like the leper, he recognized the goodness and the greatness and the power of God that had been poured out on his life and that impulse within him led him to a place of worship and honor. And my question is, do you, do I, do we have a complete understanding of what God has done for us? How long has it been since we've stopped to contemplate the goodness and the greatness of God? More so than physical blessings with clothes and a home and a job and a car, but just salvation in itself. How long has it been since we've stopped in our tracks, wherever we're headed, whatever we're doing, to have we, how long has it been, have we stopped in our tracks to reflect on how powerful the grace of God is and what it truly means for us? I believe that if we did that, when we do that, and we truly do it, we shut out all the distractions and we move everything else to the background and we focus on the grace of, of God and what he did for us by making all things new. We had no hope. There was nothing we could do to get out of the situation we were in. There's nothing, there's nothing that we could do to change our circumstances just like the leper. There's nothing we could do. Our only hope was Jesus and he passed by our way and freely and lavishly poured grace and love and compassion out on us. When we recognize that and grasp that, I believe that there's something inside of our soul, an impulse within us that we can't contain, we can't deny, and it pushes us to a place of honor and worship. I want to read something that I read recently that a pastor shared. He said, a few years ago, an unkept, poorly adjusted youth named Tim was converted to Christ in an evangelistic crusade. A few days later, still unkept, but bathed in the love of Christ, he was sent to my home so that I could help him find a good church. And so it was that he began attending mine. 
Though Tim needed and received much loving help and personal grooming and basic social graces, one characteristic had remained unchanged, his untamed love for his Savior. One Sunday after church, Tim rushed to my side looking somewhat perplexed. He lamented, why me? I keep asking myself, why me? Oh no, I thought, the pastor said. He's become another complaining Christian. Then with, ar with arms outstretched, he went on to say, out of all the people in the world who are greater and smarter than I am, why did God choose me? And with that, he joyfully clapped his hands. That is a powerful story. And it really convicts me of all the days that I've let go by without stopping to truly reflect on why me? Why did you choose me? Why did you open the door of salvation for me? There's nothing I can do to say thank you enough. There's, there's, there's no way I could say thank you enough. And yet that's the only, that's the only response that I have. Is to, is to honor, to honor Christ, to worship Him, to thank Him. Just like the leper or this immoral woman in Luke chapter seven, I believe that when we have a firm grasp on what Christ has truly done for us, what overflows from that is a heart and a posture of gratitude and thanksgiving. And isn't that what moves the heart of God? When His children worship and honor Him. And so my encouragement, my challenge to you today, right now, as, as, as we wrap up this video, is to take a moment, put out all of the distractions, block everything out, and reflect on the greatness and goodness of God and His free gift of salvation and His grace that knows no bounds. There's... It it goes higher than we could ever imagine, deeper, further than we could ever imagine. It covers a multitude of sins. Reflect on the goodness and greatness, the grace of God. And I believe that what will overflow from that is a heart that is full of thanks and gratitude. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for grace that you have poured out on us, a grace that has no bounds, a grace that covers a multitude of sins, your unmerited favor. God, we thank you for this grace. We thank you for salvation. We thank you that as we dig into your word, you open our eyes to see the things that truly matter. 
And so, Lord, I just ask that those that are watching, Lord, that they would be encouraged by this, by what they've heard. And they would be moved to a place of, of thanksgiving and praise that is, that is poured out on you. May that be the way we live our life, just as you, without reservation, without holding any back, anything back, you poured everything out for us, even to the point of giving your life. And may we return, by, return that by pouring our lives out as a living sacrifice, lives that honor you and, and, and worship you and praise you in everything that they do. May that be our reality, the way we live our lives every day, in honor and in worship of you. We give you all the praise, all glory, all honor, in your powerful, precious name. Amen. God bless you again. Thank you again for coming by. I hope this is an encouragement to you. And I just want to encourage you, make sure that you're taking your own time to dig into the Word of God, spending that one-on-one -on -one time with Him. Um, there's nothing that can take the place of that. Hope you have an incredible day, and we'll see you next time.